Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says, I'm just going to read a portion of this and let you be seated. But the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass that at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes began to, be, began to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here am I. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. Now that sounds like somebody who just did not want to be woken up. Right? I did not call you. Go lay back down. Right? And so, and so he says, and he went to lay down, and then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose, went to Eli, and he said, here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call and I don't think he said this in a term of endearment to him. He said, like, I did not call my son. Like, son, again? Go lie down again. So Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel the third time. So he arose and went to Eli. Eli he said, here I am. You called, you did, you did call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant here. Someone say servant. You know that your servanthood is the highest calling that you can have in the kingdom of God? Not any office, but the, the office of a servant. And the, being the really affectionate part of that is that we're sons. We're relatives. We're part of God's family. But... But even a son can have the heart of a servant. Servanthood, servanthood hood is, the, is the top of the tier in God's kingdom, but yet the lowest. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone will hear it will tingle. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning the house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquities which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house should not atone for the sacrifice and offerings forever. In other words, there's no amount of blood, no amount of sacrifice that Eli can do because I've already passed judgment. Because of his sons. That is a very scary thought. But here's where it leads to. It leads to this one thought we have to consider. What was it that he did? Or was it, what was it that he did not do? We're going to learn today about the devotion, the devotion of the priest. We're going to learn about the devotion of a priest. And what our life should be 
and what we can learn from Eli, what we can learn from Samuel, even learn from David. But if we'll take this away and learn and extract some, some truths and some wisdom out of this, I believe we can see it and watch it be used for something good in our life. How many of you want to learn and get some wisdom today, insight, and want to see your life flourish and watch God bless it? So say, someone say, Lord Jesus, bless this word. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap ahead of time and tell him thank you as you're seated. God bless you. Thank you for listening and standing and being here with us. So it came to pass later as, 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 Samuel, as Samuel began to start his day and Eli had awoken, that Eli went to Samuel and he said, Samuel, my son. <laughs> I mean, I, I think to me, probably the, his tone may have changed because he knew that he had a word from God. <laughs> like, like, you know, Samuel, hey, son, how's it going? What did the Lord say? He knew it concerned him. He knew his whole, his whole approach to the situation was going to be different because it concerned him and he had to face it. And he faced it with humility, I believe. Then Eli called for Samuel and said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. And then he says something that puts him in a really tough predicament here. He put him in a spot. He said, God do so to you. And more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he has said to you. In other words, if you don't tell me, I'm going to pray that God would just make it come into your life also. <laughs> I would be like, you know, I'm Latino, so I would be like, no problem. Here's what he said. <laughs> like, you want it? You got it. Told him. And he told him this. And he said, he said this. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And, and then Eli said, it's, it's the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. See, that was a, trans, there was a transition taking place. At that time that God pronounced a judgment on Eli, there was a transition that came into Samuel's life where Samuel was being raised up simultaneously, almost like Saul and David. And God does that. God will never replace someone without raising someone else up. God always has somebody. There is always someone who has a right heart and a right spirit who is willing to give their all and willing to sacrifice and give everything that God wants from them. No reservations, a complete openness. A complete surrender. Everything that God has, everything that God wants to do, God does it for our good. He has you in mind. He has both of us in mind. And I will tell you that it is God's purpose and God's plan, but God does not cause the bad in our life to happen. Whatever Eli did to bring that judgment was his own of his own doing and his own choices. When you look further into the scripture, what had actually happened is that his sons had not been trained to be royal priests. They actually, as Pastor Caleb had said a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, they were spoiled priests. 
they would take the best of the meat offerings and the offerings that were supposed to be given to God, and they would take them off like a buffet at Golden Corral and say, I want the best cut. Bring it to me. Scripture even says that even Eli took it unto himself, and that's what caused him to be overweight. Now, I can't point the finger at Eli right now, but I'm just telling you that to his demise, he was selfish, and he took for himself to eat to suffice his own appetite, and that's where his children learned it from. It was his habits. It was his uncontrolled appetites. It was his lack of discipline as a priest. And I'm sure he didn't teach his sons to do it. I just think they just did what he did. That's my opinion. But I do know, but I do know, when God raised up Samuel, he raised him up in the house of Eli. How in the world did Samuel stay pure, live right, have the favor of God, have favor with men, and God raised him up as a prophet when he grew up in the same house as Eli's sons? I want you to think about that. The only difference was, was he had a praying mama. He had a mama who dedicated him. He had a mama who in one portion of the scripture said, if you give me a son, her name was Hannah, and if you give me a son, I'll give him to you. And she dedicated Samuel to the Lord. Samuel belonged to God. She made a devotion and she said and, and consecrated him and said he'll never cut his hair. It'll be a sign of a covenant between you and him and me and you. Samuel received a new coat every year. Mama stayed intact with him. Mama was involved. She may not have lived with him, but she never stopped, I believe, praying for him. How could you not pray and how could you not continually be committed to the dedication and your devotion to God and then not be there for your son when you gave him to be with the Lord. She had a short period of time with him, but I do believe during those days that all she ever did was consecrate him, dedicate him, influence him. Samuel had a different spirit. Samuel was sensitive to God. Samuel lived in a house of chaos, but yet God raised him up to have an ear to hear. Samuel is the first prophet that was raised up in the midst of chaos when there was no voice or revelation from God that he heard from God in the middle of the night. And to show his heart and to show what is really his mindset was, the only voice of a authority he knew was Eli's and he went to Eli and said yes you called for me you called for me and this shows the heart of Samuel because it was in the middle of the night now what would your child do if you called him in the middle of the night like that <laughs> oh my god his mom again his dad what do you want right what Hello? Hmm. 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 <laughs> no response. No response. I'm just telling you, what would you do if your children called you in the middle of the night and it wasn't important? 
Now, if your children called you in the middle of the night and it was an emergency, we would all respond. This is not one of those moments. Samuel walks in and says to Eli, did you call me? Three times. You can almost feel the undertones of, of, of a little frustration there in his life. But when he found out he had heard from God and it was God that called him, it's like his whole disposition changed. And it's like you read the scripture and the next day Eli comes out and says, hello, Samuel, my son. Hello, mijo. What did the Lord say? Right? Everything changes. When God's with you, people treat you differently. When you hear from God, people know. And God raised up Samuel to be a prophet from Dan to Beersheba. Everyone knew because none of his words fell to the ground. The secret to his devotion and his calling began with the devotion of his mother. Point number one, this is what we have to learn. What made him different than Eli's sons and Eli is his mama's consecration and devotion. We celebrate baby dedications here. Baby dedications is an important part of this ministry. We believe that God's hand rests on the child when you bring them to the Lord. But here's the continuation of that sanctity. According to the scripture, the Bible says that the child is sanctified by the belief and the faith of the parents. There's a continuation. Once you have dedicated your children to God, it's not a done deal. You have to continue to live for God in order for that child to be blessed by God. Hannah, there was a connection that Hannah had with Samuel. It was her son. They had a connection in the spirit. And every year, Hannah proved it by bringing him a coat. Every time he grew, she brought a different covering. The key to raising up a priesthood is keeping them covered. Keeping them covered. God will use you if your private devotion is there. But our private devotion was never meant to be concealed. And kept to ourselves. Our dedication to God was never meant to be to ourselves, but God brings us to consecration so we can bring ourselves to a place of influence and passing it from one generation to the next generation. The secret, the secret in this is found right here. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. Listen to this. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel said, this is concerning Eli. I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. He said, that's what I said to you. Everything I said to you, I meant it. But then he said, but now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Lightly esteemed or recognized or honored back. True honor is a result of your private devotion. Because here is, I think, the key to devotion is who you give your time to. Who and what you give your time to is who you are devoted to. 
Time is the one commodity that I think we all have in common. Based on who you give it to is based on where your affections lie. When you love someone, you give them your time. Because if you don't give them them time, then you can't give them your love. It's just a fact. Relationships are strong because of time. And what you do with the time matters. When, when Hannah came to the temple, she was there and, and she prayed a prayer that only God saw and God knew. But it was for a short period of time, but God answered her prayer and her heart was in it. I believe in quality of time, sometimes over quantity. It's your heart condition. It's what you feel and how you honor. And here's a secret to honor. Who you choose to honor and dishonor will de determine the success in your life and your prosperity and your success. Who you choose to honor and dishonor. You can write this down because here's the key. If you choose to honor, for example, your parents, God will honor you. If you choose to dishonor them, God will not honor you. Despite who they are, what they do wrong, it's not what they do, it's who they are. Even your boss, even in the new covenant, the writer says, don't give eye service. In other words, don't only put your hands to work when your boss is coming by, but do it as unto the Lord like you're working for him because there's where your promotion comes from. And I'm paraphrasing. But everything we do, whether in public or in private, it's got to be unto God. And it has to be with the heart of devotion. And, what, and where we learn it is going to be who we're influenced by. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. This is why I understand that I can either be a blessing to my children or I can actually be a burden to my children. If I'm not completely devoted to God in private and honor him, God won't honor me and he'll lightly esteem me and my children. It's just a fact. Here's the fact right here. And this is what it says, Matthew 15 and 5. These people, speaking of the, 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 the scribes and the Pharisees, these people draw near to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You can literally give lip service and not mean it. You can literally go through the motions and not feel it and, not and just go through it without being fully engaged with your heart. So here, here's what I understand. Point number two, private devotion leads to public recognition. Whatever I do in private is going to come out in public. However I honor God in private, he's going to highly esteem me because I highly esteem him. And I can be a blessing, and I can prove it to you in the Scripture. And this is, I'm going to show you a chart in just a moment to show you a pattern of men who had great, great works and a walk with God, but they didn't do one thing. Therefore, their legacy died with them. 
Their legacy died with them. Whether No matter who you are, no matter where you're at, there is something to a private devotion with God. What God sees in secret, he rewards you openly. That's what the scripture says. And here's what the scripture says about Hannah. Hannah, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11, it said that she made a vow and said, O oh Lord, if you indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying, to the Lord, Eli watched her mouth, and Eli, paraphrasing, said, my God, Hannah's drunk. She wasn't giving God lip service. Just because she didn't make a loud noise doesn't mean her heart wasn't in it. There's some that will make a loud shout and a loud noise, but their heart's far from it. It is not about what you have to say. It's about meaning what you say and having the ability to follow through. Hannah had the ability to follow through because God gave her a male child and she followed through with her commitment and said, here you go, Lord, as I promised because you answered my prayer. Follow through. Everyone say, follow through. Coming to church is receiving instruction. What you do at home is follow through. That's the secret to being a blessing as the priest of your home. We have learned at Riverside Church that everyone is a priest. We've all been called to be a royal priesthood. All of us have the responsibility of maintaining the temple. Somebody say, I am the temple. Someone, if you know this, say, the Spirit of God. Come on, say, the Spirit of God lives inside of me. He is my high priest, and I am his priest. And what we do on a daily basis, we know the temple requirements required there to be altar of incense and the lighting of the candles, and everything had to be done on a daily basis, evening and morning. But in private, in private, what Samuel did in private and Eli did in private both came to light. What Samuel did in private and Eli did in private all came to light. Eli was raised up to be a prophet. No, Samuel was raised up to be a prophet. Eli fell down and broke his neck and lost the Ark of the Covenant. Here's the secret. Are you ready? Matthew 6, 6 and 8. But you, when you pray, go into your room. Your room. You have to make room for God at home. You have to make room for God. When we make room for God in our home, or at least in my home, what I do, I set the tone personally to make room for God. I make it special. If the Lord was coming to visit me and we were going to have a talk, I would set the atmosphere to have that talk. I love listening to worship music while I pray and while I worship. I love dimming the lights. I love taking my time. And I love ignoring phone calls. 
Now, if it's important in the sense of has to be taken care of, there are situations I'll text back and say, can I call you right back? See, don't feel pressured to respond to everybody. It's a choice because the most important meeting you can ever have in this world is with Jesus Christ. You have to put priority on it. You have to. If you don't do it, someone's going to take your time and they're going to take your schedule and take you away because I'm going to tell you, it's no coincidence at times when you start getting into prayer and all of a sudden that person you've been trying to get a hold of now just gets a hold of you. Know and understand distractions, but make room. And when you make room for Jesus, Jesus will protect you. I'm going to take a scripture outside of the priesthood and show you an example with two women. When it was Mary and Martha who had Jesus come to their house, it was Mary who sat in front of Jesus, listened to him, and devoted her time to him. Martha devoted her time to serving him. It seemed like that would be a godly thing to do. But when Martha was upset and got up angry and frustrated with Mary, she tattletale. She tattletale. She went and told Jesus, Lord, Mary is not helping me. And Jesus rebuked her and said, Mary's chose a good part. And no one, say with me, no one will take it from her, not even you. When you choose to devote your time to God, I tell you, God will protect that time frame if you want it protected. Once you consecrate yourself to God, God is in that. He is, it's important to him. Your time with God is so important that he will cause everything else around you, if it's in your heart, to make that a solemn moment with him. It's your private time with him. It's a holy moment with him. In fact, any, there, there's no other place on the, your calendars and in your schedule that is holy without Jesus in it. Jesus is what, the presence of God is what makes it holy. So anything that's holy is because his presence is there, it's consecrated and belongs to him. Jesus first. Someone say it with me, Jesus comes first. What you do in private, shut the door. Pray to your father, watch this. Matthew 6, 6 and 8, again, pray to your father who is in secret, your father, your family, your relative, the one who cares about you, the one who knows you, the one who gave you birth, who sees you in secret, and what you do in secret, who sees in secret, he will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will hear for their many words. That sounds like the Pharisees and the scribes. Their words are there, but their heart isn't. But he said, and so let me help you with prayer. God is not interested in your fancy words going to him. God wants your heart. And if all you can say is, I love you, Jesus, for the moment, then that's all you say. But it means something if it's heartfelt. But this is why also we encourage you, pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit of God fill you and understand the power of praying in the Spirit and speaking in other tongues. Don't leave. Understand it's a gift from God and it's a gift for you for prayer, for your devotion where the high priest comes into your spirit 
intercedes for you, helps you, speaks through you, and consecrate that moment. And if you are used to a prayer language and you're used to praying in the spirit, then get your mind and your heart aligned with it. Don't pray in the spirit and let your mind go to what you have to do throughout the day. That's not praying effectively. But align your mind with the word of God and release your faith through that. And let the spirit intercede and let the spirit of God begin to speak to you. And you'll begin to give commands. And you'll begin to let the incense rise from the altar. And you'll begin to see with a different light from the spirit of God. And you'll begin to be partaker of the manna and consume and watch things begin to manifest on your table. Watch things begin to be unfolded in front of you. If you want to know how to see God move be responsible priests it'll fill your house but the same spirit that rests on you will also rest on your children the same spirit and the anointing that you have will rest on your children if you train them or if they have a heart for God and I want to tell every parent here that has grown up children, just because your children are, are up and gone and live in another town, that does not mean you still, your prayers can't still be effective in their life. It happened to Hannah. I believe the success of Samuel's ministry was based on a praying mama. Every praying mama ought to say amen right now. Mama, your prayers work. There's nothing more powerful than a praying daddy and a praying mama who love their children, who have a walk with God, who angels respond to, who know the word of God, who have an unction in their life, who know how to keep a priestly schedule and be consistent with God. There's something to understanding. Samuel had favor with God. Everyone knew that Samuel was a prophet. Everyone knew that God was raising him up. And everyone knew Eli's house was out of order. No one had to tell you what happened behind the scenes. The proof is in the family. Our greatest asset and our greatest legacy is the family. Can I, can I show you this chart? Let me show you this real quickly. Watch this real quickly. E is for Eli. S is for Samuel. D is for David. These, now I didn't put King Saul in there because I don't think he was the influential leader in the book of Samuel. 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel is really an entire book. One letter. One thing written. It was divided up into two different books and chapters and verses. Remember, men put chapters and verses just so we can keep up and pinpoint where the scripture reference is. But the three influential figures within these books was Eli, Samuel, and David. Every one of them had a private devotion, which was proven. Because remember, the irony of Hannah's prayer being answered was when Eli said and blessed her and said, so be it unto you. And God touched her womb. He was anointed. He was anointed. God uses you. God can use you. But when your private devotion is kept there, it doesn't bleed over to anyone else but just you. Samuel, a prophet. Samuel was the one prophet that God raised up 
when there was no revelation, no understanding of the word of the Lord, but God raised up Samuel. Samuel anointed David. You see, the transference, he anointed him. David had a walk with God. David was a mighty warrior. David wrote psalms and songs and, and wrote about the victories and the highs and the lows. And David made mistakes, but David was anointed. But you want to know what these men all had in common? Every one of their children were undisciplined. Every one of them. Read it. They lost the Ark of the Covenant during Samuel's leadership. They lost it. They flaunted the Ark of the Covenant to their enemies, trying to go through and use God in an unpriestly manner. And Eli's sons were killed. And when they brought the report to Eli and told him what had happened to his sons, he wasn't moved. I think it was expected. But when they told him they took the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, he fell down, broke his neck, and died. Samuel, Samuel was prophet and judge. And God used him to lead a nation, to get direction. But you want to know why the people of Israel wanted King Saul? They wanted a king because they said Samuel's children are unruly. Samuel's children were unruly. We don't want them to lead us. We don't want them to take charge. We don't want them to because they don't have a heart for God. They may have the robes. They may have the position. They may go through the rituals, but their heart is far from God. Give us a king. David, a mighty warrior, even one that God was with, even in the king Saul's palace and in the kingdom, even he was his son-in-law. Great triumph, great victory, but Absalom. His own son tried to take the throne, and all those that were there, his sons were unruly. What happened? Let me tell you what happened. I believe it was this, and this is just my guess. You can qualify, disqualify it. But there's a huge difference between private devotion and family devotion. When I have family devotion with my kids, and by the way, I'm not controlling so my kids have already married and left the house. I've only got one little rooster left at my house. <laughs> and a little silky. That's my inside joke for my wife. The only reason my children meet with me in their adult years, still at my house in the morning, for prayer and devotion, is because God is in it. And we've seen the results of coming together, how powerful it is. I, I'm going to tell you, this past week, I was under attack. Crazy things are transpiring in my house. I mean, like crazy things on my, my body and, 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 and with, with the church. And, 
and man, car accidents and different things occurring here and there. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I realized there were, we were, there were family members were sick this week and we didn't get together for prayer. Everybody was praying on their own, but there was something and there's something powerful about corporate prayer and the agreement. Watch, if there isn't, then why does the scripture say if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put how many? So I did the, the Pastor Bobby kind of thing to do. Thursday night, which normally is not Thursday during the day is the time of prayer for the family, but Thursday night I called the boys, I called the heads of the family like a mafia boss. Call the <laughs> mafia also if you don't know. Family's strong. I'm just going to tell you right now. Family's strong. Let me just tell you, in the kingdom of God, your heavenly father, he will protect you. He will be with you. And he does not play any games. That's just the way I think. I've got to tell you, don't mess around with me because you mess with me. You got to mess with my father. He's got angels. So here's what I did. I called the boys because they're the heads of the house. I said, sons. I said, every one of you need to pray at night. You give special attention to this nighttime of prayer tonight. And I said, be in my house, 7 o'clock in the morning, all of you. And we did. And we met together. And we went into prayer. And something broke. And from that point on, we felt the liberty of what God needed to do. When we stepped into this house, we felt a breakthrough in the atmosphere. God calls us to work together. The biggest mistake we make in the family is we have a private devotion, but we have never focused on family devotion with it. So my family devotion, I'm going to give you an example. Your family devotion is not the same as your private devotion. Your private devotion is not the same as your family. I'm going to make it real simple for you. So I'm speaking to the men. Because men, you're men. I don't make no apologies on how I challenge men. When men pray, men ought to have their own private devotion either before or after they've had their family devotion. You give your time to God so you can, as an individual, get what you need from God. But the other time with the family is a time of training, it's a time of influence. And it's a time of togetherness. And you carried on for generation to generation because not only did you just, they heard you, you've actually trained them and influenced you. And what was on you now gets on them. And there's going to come a day where you can't get together because they have children. But while you got them, just like Hannah, while she had Samuel, there has to be something you have to do. He just didn't know the family dynamic of things, but she taught him private and influenced him in private settings because he had no family around Eli. And the only family he had was the boys, and they weren't even blood-related. So he had to learn a private devotion. I don't know Eli's life. I don't know who his parents were. Maybe some of you do. I, I just haven't studied it, but I will tell you that. Somewhere along the line, a parent dropped the ball 
Listen, and if the kids will inherit the sins of the father from third to fourth generation, they can also inherit the blessings of God from the father and the mother up to many generations, and it'll be a many generational blessings. But the way it happens is you got to come together, and you can't be a priest to yourself. You have to have some family devotion together. If you have children in your house, I don't care how grumpy they get when you wake them up. You've got to wake them up in time to have some time of prayer. you got to get together some time to teach them. But here's the secret as well. I say secret a lot because everything I'm talking about to me was a mystery in God, but God revealed it to me through the Holy Ghost as God will reveal it to you through prayer as well. And when you learn these types of strategies and secrets, it'll bless your family. It'll bless you. Your children need to know. Our families need to know what it is to have an anointing in our lives. An anointed life. An anointed life. My youngest boy, who's alone right now at the house, and I don't know what happened when the rest of the kids moved out, but something happened to that boy. At nighttime, at 12 o'clock, 10 o'clock, I'll hear the music go up in his room. And I'm like, oh, my God, is he playing a game? Why is it so loud? And I walk up to the door, and all I can hear is, Woo! And I hear this demonstrative voice come out, and it says, In the name of Jesus, go. In the name of Jesus, I say, be gone. In the name of 14 years old. Now, all I'm saying to you is you got to train up a child in the way they should go. And when they grow old, they won't depart from it. God didn't call you just to be a priest. God called you to raise up other priests. The anointing in the house has to fall on us corporately. But how can they be anointed if you're not? It's not just about a private devotion. It's about bringing what you brought out of the presence of God into your family. Yeah, it's going to take your time. It's going to take your work. But I promise you, when you have breathed your last breath, you can smile and you can be rest assured that you left a legacy, that you left something, something to your children more valuable than money, more valuable than real estate, more valuable than a car, more valuable than a house. You left them a royal priesthood. You left them a lifestyle. You left them an anointing. You left them gifts you left them an unction you left them the ability to know how to deal with demons you left them the ability to know how to fight for their marriage you left them the ability to know how to raise up their children you taught them that God is real and that his spirit is real heaven just not something you learned in Sunday school heaven is here on earth someone say the kingdom has come Someone say the kingdom has come. If you can't find quantity, then you embrace quality. And that's what I want to leave you with. If you can't find quantity, then embrace quality. Quality time with God if you don't have quantity time. The quantity of time. It's all about your heart being in it. Slow down. Slow down. See, this is our culture. 
This is our culture. Remember, we're Gentile. And all we know, church, as is light camera action and praise and worship, offering coffee, go home. No, we refer to coffee, lights, camera action, worship, go home. <laughs> That's what we know church as. That's not what God intended. God didn't go to the cross for us to have this system. This is just a gathering together to receive instruction corporately to gather together to receive the assignment and to be empowered and for us to move mountains and establish it in the earth. But here's the, more, here's the real power. What are you going to do with this time we had together? Are you going to take it home and duplicate it? And are you going to build on it? Or are you just going to let it go and be another church Sunday? That's... That's the challenge for us. And if you don't have the time, mark out the time and say, no one's going to take it from me. This is my time, and it's not just for me. It's for my family because I can't help my family if God doesn't help me. It's all about spending time with him. How many of you feel a burning in your heart right now? How many of you feel like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift my schedule. I'm going to make some time for God. you got to put it in there, God time. This is God time. This is worship time. This is what's going to keep me from worshiping other things, other idols. This is what's going to keep me from temptation. This is what's going to keep my heart and mind. This is what's going to bring me an anointing. This is what's going to cause me to hear what my children are going through. This will rise up the prophet inside of me so God will keep me in tabs with my family and I know how to pray yeah i'm telling you you have a prophet inside of you his name is jesus he's the prophet of prophets you have an apostle inside of you he is jesus the overseer of your family you have a pastor inside of you his name is jesus the good shepherd he will speak to you he will help you he will develop you he will teach you how to pray if you're just given the time come on let's stand up to our feet come on haley Right now, lift up your voice and just surrender to what's in the atmosphere. If you are here this Sunday morning and you are at the workshop or you've been waiting to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come down to the front. If you have not given your life to Jesus, come on this side of the, of, of, the, of the stage, of the platform, and give your life to the Lord. If you're needing and wanting to be renewed in the Spirit, and you're needing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you understand it, and even if you don't, come right here on this side, and we're going to pray for you. But everybody in this moment, will you just lift up your hands and say, Father, I devote myself to you right now. I devote myself to you right now. This is real. This is real. The kingdom of God is real. I want an experience that will change my life. I want an experience that will revolutionize my legacy, my future, and my children. And you may be so young right now in your mind thinking, oh, that's far from my mind. Let me tell you, now's the time to start. Now's the time to start walking with God. Now's the time to start worshiping. Now's the time right now to let God begin to build your life and build your future. God cares. God knows. God loves you. Father, in the name of Jesus, will you lift up your voice? Come on, pray in the spirit right now. Release it. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Let the building of God, let the building of God fitly frame. Do your part right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just surrender. We surrender to you right now. And let everybody in this building 
receive, receive God, receive, receive, receive in the name of Jesus. Let the anointing of God fall. Let the anointing of God fall upon every individual. Let the families, I want mamas and daddies to hold hands. I want families to come together. If you're able to make a circle with your family, then do it right now and pray together. Pray together and say, we're going to consecrate our home. We're going to consecrate our family. We're going to consecrate us right now together. We're going to consecrate God everything together right now in this house, in this house, in this house right now, in this house right now. We surrender to you, dear God. 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 In the name of Jesus, we surrender to you right now. We consecrate ourselves to you right now. We consecrate ourselves, Father, our family. Let the anointing fall upon us right now. Let the anointing fall upon us right now. Let the anointing fall right now on our family. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to serve God. Lord, we're asking you to shift it right now. Shift it right now. Shift it right now on our family. Shift it right now on our family. We surrender to you. We surrender to you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.